Yeah, so I had to buy some beard wax for my beard. Who actually does that? I didn't realize that waxing a beard was actually a thing. Why have you got to wax a friggin' beard? I've got no idea. Anyway, guys and the odd girl that watches this, the two people I have that watch this podcast, let's do this, shall we? All right, then, welcome back, then, Fast Ship Performance. I've got a bit of an issue. I just shut down the email I want to talk to you about. And, of course, by having emails open, it's going to beep at me, isn't it? Let me just get that back up for you because someone's written in again and they've asked me some advice. Actually, whilst I'm waiting for this to open now, and it is opening, it'll probably go beep again. Look how the camera's moving, okay? I always talk about the stuff I'm using. So as I move left and right, it tracks me. This uh, I'm using my phone, which is a Huawei P20 Pro, so the Chinese can listen to all the disinformation I'm feeding them. Uh, about things, uh, which is cool. And that's mounted to something called an Osmo 2 by DJI as well, through something called Bluetooth, it's magic. Uh, I'm using a a Rode Podcaster as a microphone here. The Rode Podcaster is going through something called Audacity. I'm actually recording directly into DJI Go on my phone, and I'm gonna marry the two up in something called um, Final Cut Pro 10. That's that's all it is, that's all it is. But what I'm doing right now is on this DJI uh, app that I've got, it's got an awesome beard tracker. So as long as it can see an awesome beard, uh, it can track it. Look at this. I'm trying to hide the awesome beard and it can still track it. Look at that. Left, right. It's probably the wrong way around for you, isn't it, guys? Okay. Good. So, um, yes, I'm trying to wax some growth on this thing. It's taken a while, to be honest. First time in 20 years I've actually grown any facial hair. I haven't been in the military for that length of time. All right. So what are we talking about today? There's a guy that's written in to speak to me. Uh, and... We've, we've had a few of these, don't we? I'd like to do other things as well. I'm going to try and bring some more information into this one. But this is quite an interesting email. It involves, uh, he's, he's about to hit 40. So if you're knocking on those later years, middle years, some people would say the younger years. I think they're really interesting years. And I really like them, although I am struggling through them in certain aspects. But that's for another podcast. But um, if you're in those years, this one's quite an interesting one for you. So we're going to go through his email. I'm going to leave a chunk out. I used to fly with this guy back in the day on the big jet, on the GR, on the tornado. That's on the wall there. There we go. There's a tornado. Another one up there. Hello, Jim. I'm a tornado. Don't track my finger. Track the beard. Track the beard. So, um, and he's asked me for a bit of advice. He's been out of the service now for a long time. Long time. And he's gone into the podcast, which is really cool. So, yeah, he just said, hey, can you answer, can you answer this, this question I've got? I'm going to read this out. We're going to talk it through. I've got some ideas about to help him, and uh, I'd be interested in your comments. Now, if you put the comments down on YouTube, that's cool. Obviously, on YouTube, people are anonymous. That's fine. And if uh, the comments are derogatory, I'll probably just delete them because it kind of detracts. I don't want to be one of those guys that hides comments, but it just detracts from the whole thing, doesn't it? So, yeah, whatever. But listen, if you want to write to me direct, I'll answer all the emails, and you know that already. Uh, I'm trying to cut down a little bit on social at the moment because I think it's bad for your mental health. It's definitely bad for my mental health. The email starts, hi, Tim. Why is that a good thing? You know why it's a good thing. Because if you start doing dude or brother or mate, whatever, it, I just it goes to the bottom of the pile. Um, so this guy says, I recently made a conscious effort to listen to some of your podcasts during my commute to work. And that's a really good time to do it, guys. Don't sit here, just podcast it up and just listen to me as you go to school or go to work in the morning, all right? That's what I do with other guys. He says, I've really enjoyed your content and wanted to contribute something back. Legend. Maybe it's not suitable for sharing, but you can if you wish. I'm not going to share all of it. We said that already. Uh, I'd love to hear your views on this on this situation that this guy's going through. So it says, um, next paragraph really is about where I know this guy from. In effect, what happened, he was, um, um, uh, so it was permanently medically downgraded. So he's PMU, do understand what that means now from the last podcast, which is permanently medical unfit for military fast jet aviation. That happened during a... Um, during a course he was on, 
uh, who's flying the big jet, flying the tornado, and he became unfit and he was told, look, you're never going to fly again. That's a hard thing to suck up when you've gone through flying training. If you think about how long flying training is now, it's seven years for fast jets. It's about five, I think, for Maltese. I think it's about no wrong. I think Maltese or, or Rotary, I can't remember now. One is five and one is four, but, but seven years for, for a military fast jet. And of course, any time in that, you could get chopped. It's unlikely you push through towards the end stage. We always try to keep guys in, girls in that have got that far. But of course, you, you know, things happen. Life changes, especially in seven years. People get married, have children, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so seven years is a long time. So what happened? He's gone through all of that, gone onto the big jet. And uh, unfortunately, no fault was of his own. Just like the last guy we spoke to as well on the podcast, all of a sudden he finds himself not able to do that job he's wanted to do for his entire life. Now, the Air Force are really good with him. The Air Force are really good with everyone, by the way. I've, I've got no animosity towards the Air Force because I, I left before I got bitter, luckily, and I still like the Air Force. And that's why I do these things here, as you know, to help people um, come to terms with whether they're going to join or more to the point, come to terms with not joining sometimes as well. That's a lot of the emails that I answer. So this guy saying that um, the Air Force did a really good job of resettling him, and um, they gave him some qualifications. A lot of it was in project management, IT, that kind of stuff. Uh, also, he jumped into something called the Officers Association that are there to help people like me that stagger out the service in a, in a you know, ball of you know, wank, whatever, and we're just in bits. We're like, what the hell happened now? You know, so uh, they're there to help us out. And they did a really good job with this guy, and they put him in contact with a company. He went to work for this company. It was kind of like an IT company. I don't want to get too in-depth here, guys. And he became uh, like a project manager for the company, which is really cool. Now, he took a bit of a pay cut because when you're a flight attendant on flying pay, which he was, and he has to go into this company now, he took a pay cut. But he's like, whatever, you know, we understand that you have to recalibrate yourself when you come out of the service because you've been in the service doing something very specialist. And now you come out and you're in this big wide world, not really knowing what's going on. Also, feedback as to whether this movement in the camera is kind of freaking you guys out, whether it's kind of natural. I don't know. Maybe we'll do something with it in a different kind of style. We're trying stuff out. So what he says then, that's me paraphrasing that last... Um, paragraph good he then says uh, one thing that became clear very quickly was that i hadn't demilitarized uh, myself after leaving the rf and continued to be blunt and direct yeah those guys i hate those guys um which didn't do me any favors with my managers at the time not least because much of the time i would be frustrated at how noddy the work i was asked to complete was i yearned for more responsibility and for development i'm not suggesting that i thought i could be ceo but given my experiences um, as aircrew, I felt I'd be able to plan and manage you know, small projects quite easily. My mantra has always been, if I can lead a pair of jets, lead a pair of tornadoes, I can do this. So why do you think I can? Why don't you think I can is what you're saying to these guys. You know, If I can lead jets in the sky, and I'm like that as well. I was a four-ship leader, legend. Uh, if I can lead four jets around you know, into conflict and stuff, why can't I do these tasks? That's what he's thinking. So recognition of my performances were poor and promotion was incredibly slow. In hindsight, I recognized my own failings in the process and realized that a lot of issues can probably be summed up by my Myers-Briggs personality type of ISTP. Whatever. I like to think, I like to fix things and don't have time to jump through ridiculous hoops that serve no value to the end purpose. I've never been willing to play the game. Yeah, so there's, there's two types of people that you'll find in the Air Force. Those that play the game really, really well and... Actually, there's three types. There's those that play the game, those that don't want to play the game, and there's those that don't even know a game is being played. And, and you'll fit into one of those, when you're in the military, you'll fit into one of those three categories, believe me. Um, I was the guy that didn't want to play the game. I really didn't. And the reason is, I read a lot of books. You know, um, I read a lot of history, whatever. That stuff fascinates me. That gets into a true romance line, doesn't it? 
uh, about the Moors in Sicily. Um, so I read a lot of books. I like history. And uh, one of the books I read was on a guy called John Boyd. And one of the things, John Boyd was a colonel in the United States Air Force. Um, he did a lot of energy maneuvering work. Um, he was instrumental in, in, I'm digressing now, guys, in bringing in the F-15, the F-16, that kind of thing. A lightweight fighter is what he really wanted to bring in. He did a very good job at it. In fact, the United States Air Force didn't like this man very much. And when he was buried, the United States Marine Corps, uh, if you think about the OODA loop, that's John Boyd. I've got it here. It says, um, observe, orient, decide, act. That's that kind of loop you go around, which is your enemy's OODA loop, as it were. It's a decision-making process. Now, the thing about John Boyd is when he died, again, as I said, the USAF didn't, the United States Air Force didn't like him too much. He was a very um, ooh, polarizing figure within the Air Force. and But the United States, United States Marine Corps loved this guy. So at his funeral, uh, there were... It was packed out with United States Marine Corps personnel. I think there was only one Air Force guy actually at his funeral. Anyway, read the book. But one of the things about he said, he said, you can either be someone or you can do something. It's kind of ironic, really, because in the end, he ended up being some, someone because he, he ended up becoming a colonel and promoting and he didn't respect those guys necessarily. He was very anti-authoritarian. We're digressing off the email. I'll come back to it right now. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, he was trying to say, look, you can either be a general or an admiral or something, or you can actually do something and change the world. I always liked that a lot. And uh, I always decided I'd try and do something if I possibly could. Hence, didn't get too far in the career stakes, ended up as a squadron leader and left. Either way, uh, Bryce Biggs, uh, Myers-Briggs personality type. Yeah, that stuff's interesting. I'm just not into it. I'm not into it. Okay, fine. Anyway, all he's saying is he's never been willing to play the game. Yeah. So, and he's frustrated because he's not been given the responsibility he thinks he should be given. It says here, throughout the years, I've learned to adapt. I've moved between companies to secure promotions based on my achievements rather than climbing the internal ladder in a single organization. In 2017, I elected to become self-employed as a project manager, contractor, uh, and moved to a new role as a senior project manager with another leading firm, let's say. After working here for 18 months, I've been asked to lead the team that I previously worked in. This has been well received by my peers who now feel that they are supported by someone that knows what they're talking about and also by management who seem to see me as a safe pair of hands. A few weeks ago, I was asked to step up again and become part of the leadership team for our customer account. I report directly to the head of delivery on that account. I've been offered mentoring by senior managers and I've been told that they consider me to be the very well, to be very good at my job with the potential to run my own account one day. But here's the problem, he says. Here's the problem. I don't see any of this in myself. He says, I turned 40 this year, and it feels like this is a real turning point for me and one that I'm not sure I either want or deserve. I find myself remembering quotes like, if you aren't scared of an opportunity, it's not really an opportunity. That's a Richard Branson paraphrased quote, but if I still doubt my, I still, but I still doubt my abilities and the faith placed in me. It seems that everyone except me believes in me. So it's not lost on me that right at the start of this second career, the fact that I could lead a pair of tornadoes was my reason for wanting more responsibility and more seniority. And now that I have it, that argument doesn't seem to cut it when you turn it on its head. I should be able to do this. So why do I think that I can't? I want to be able to make a difference, but I could really do with some advice with how I can get control of myself and actually give myself the same support that everyone else seems willing to offer me. I keep up the good work, dude. I love the beard. You're a very good looking guy. And that's why I love you. He actually does say that at the end of the email. So it's me. He says that. He does say it. Okay, 
Now, we've been doing FJP. Anyone from 12 Moors will know exactly what this is. I'm going to give you two seconds uh, so you can all talk about it and I'll give you the answer. What is this man suffering from? Self-esteem issues. And what do we call that in the 12 Moors group? What is he doing to himself? That's right, he's self-sabotaging. All right, pretty much like the last guy was doing as well. Self-sabotaging, very normal. Why do we self-sabotage? Okay, pose, pause, pounce. I'm asking you sitting out there in your car, driving to work, why do we self-sabotage? Have a think about what you're doing there. So you're about to go to work today and you realize that you there's a promotion coming up and you think, oh, I'm not going to put in for it. I'm not going to put in for that promotion. I just, you know, I, I could do it, but I just don't really want it. Why don't you want to have a think about this now? Why do you not want that promotion? There's more money, a bit more responsibility. What might happen to you if you get that promotion and then what might happen if you don't do well at it? Yeah, people might laugh at you. All right. Um, you might feel really bad about yourself, uh, your wife, your spouse, your partner, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your dog, doesn't matter, whatever it is. You feel they may look down on you a little bit. OK, so what you decide to do is you decide not to go for, for that promotion. You decide not to do it. You're like, yeah, well, that's the safe option, right? That's a safe option because the unsafe option is going for it. And if you go for it, well, there's every chance, as I said, that you might not do very well. At it. In fact, by definition, people promote into incompetence because they're incompetent in the role that they've never done before. Now, interestingly enough, between the Navy and the Royal Air Force, and I want to shut this email down at the moment because if I don't shut it down now, it's going to go beep like that and you guys are going to be like, Tim does not use his computer very well. I'll be like, whatever, you're banned. I did have to stop someone the other day and I hate doing that. I hate banning someone from the site. That's not, that's not the sort of thing I like doing. Right. Okay, yeah, we are still recording. It's good. Okay, so... um. So yeah, so let's think about that self-sabotage. So with the Navy and the Air Force, the, the promotion to incompetence piece was quite interesting for me because in the Navy, what I tended to find, and I wasn't promoted too well in the Navy's come up through the ranks from Dartmouth, but what I found was the Navy will look at potential and they will say, let's take a risk on that guy or that girl and they'll put him into that role. And what tends to happen, and I'll, I'll tell you the story in a second, what tends to happen is that you do really well in that role. Um, what the Air Force do, unfortunately, is they wait for you to get to the role they wait to literally they make a deputy flight commander then you're almost like doing the flight commander and the flight commander goes on the holiday and then you are the flight commander for two weeks and looks at you and says yeah you can do that role because i've just seen you do it and therefore i'm going to promote you into that role and i just think you lose a lot of opportunity in that i think you um it's not a good way of encouraging people i'd much i'd much rather take that risk the air force is a bit risk averse when it comes to that unfortunately the navy is a bit more a bit more piratey a bit more give it a go give it a go all right sink or swim sink or swim now, there was a guy, and I think I've told this story before, I might have written about it. There was a guy, um, and he was in my team of, uh, let's say, on a squadron I used to be a flight commander on. And I remember I had to promote someone into a, a role, a key role in the squadron. And he was the guy for it. He was a, he is a great guy. I still talk to this guy. He is a great guy. And um, I've got an issue on this phone. Let me just check that. And uh, I said, look, I want to put you in this role. And he, he didn't want to do it. And I've seen it before. He said, no, I'm the wrong guy for it. I'm the wrong guy for it. And I said, you're the best guy for it. I'm telling you right now. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Eventually, I put him into it anyway. He kicked and screamed. And then two weeks later, he came back and said, thank you for having that confidence in me. You know, thank you for doing that. And he's, he was very good at it. He was very good at it. Very good indeed. It's a shame. He's left the service now. Is it a shame or he's doing better things? So it's not a shame, is it? Anyway, so what we're we looking at here, we're looking at a guy now who's got confidence issues and he's 40 and of course you've got confidence issues when you're 40 because you're getting a little bit fatter you know you're not as good looking as me and I understand that it's a curse I understand you know you haven't got a beard like mine this beard is a nightmare I had to wax it I had to put a wax what do you wax beard for what do you have to wax a beard for 
Anyway, so um, kind of coloured it in a bit of grey as well. It was a bit dark, so I, I put some grey tints into it, make me look a bit more authoritarian. So you guys, you know, think I'm, you know, think I know what I'm talking about. Um, it's not like I'm really going grey or anything. So yeah, so there's a confidence issue. The guy's forty. He's been given responsibility, young family, all that kind of stuff, and uh, he's doubting his ability to go in and do that, even though he's got the confidence of his team. And that, in a way, can be worse when you have the confidence of your team because all of a sudden, you've got everything to lose now. You know, if you didn't have confidence in your team, you've got everything to prove, right? If you don't have confidence in your team, you go in and you take over a team that don't know you, they don't like you, take over. You're only ever going to go up. You're going to go up because you can't go down anymore. They don't think you're going to pass anyway, right? They're like, who is this idiot? If you go on a team that have high expectations of you, that's hard. That's hard, okay? That is difficult because you can only ever go down. Everyone's expecting you to do really well. And all of a sudden, they're like, dude, I thought you were going to do really well. And you're not doing really well. You're doing really badly. And I get that. So here's a, here's a problem for, so, you know, straight away. I'm just going to have to just, just retell this thing with my beard is again. That's my beard. I've told it where my beard is. It's a beard following thing. And uh, so this guy, obviously, has, in his mind, has got everything to lose. But here's the key as well. You know, there's expectation out there. He's 40. I'm 44. And recently, I've just, I've just learned to not worry about what other people think. It's not like I recently learned that, but now I'm really much into that. Now, here's the thing. We all care about what other people think. That's really important. Of course, we care because we belong in communities. Not so much anymore because we've got this weird thing going on where there's this social thing. We don't know how to deal with it. And it's all online. And there's Twitter and there's Insta and there's Snap and there's Facebook and there's all this shit going on. And you think you've got to be part of it. And if you're not part of it, and you haven't got any friends and your friends are doing stuff and you're a bit jealous because you've got a new car. You don't realize the car's on finance and they're gone on holiday. You don't realize the holiday's been paid for by the parents and all that kind of stuff. And it's a bit mad and we understand that. We understand it, we, you know, so, but we still want to be included in it because we don't understand that actually not being part of that is actually better for our mental health. It's one of those things. And I, I most certainly realise that. I, for one, realise that. Um, so what we're looking at right now is there's a, a great opportunity that, that there's a danger of this guy missing that opportunity um, because he's underconfident and he doesn't need to be underconfident. But in his mind, he's like, why would they give it to me? Here's the thing. Here's the thing about why they're giving it to him. They've given it to him because they've seen something in him that means that he can do the role. They're not going to take a risk with someone because they're a corporate entity. Corporate entities don't do that. They don't take risks. So they've seen his past performance. And they've, like, you know, like the Air Force, they've seen the past performance. Yeah. He said, no brainer. He's like, chuck him in. He's going to do really well. So they're ready. They know he's going to do well. They've seen his performance. So really, he hasn't got anything to worry about, right? Nothing to worry about there. They've seen the past performance. They like it. Get him in the job. Get him in the job. It's a bit different if you're in the Navy and they were like, dude, this is going to be a nightmare role. Um, not expecting you to do very well. Give it a go anyway. That's a bit like, ooh, but you can only go up, can't you? You can only go up. So for this guy, he feels he can only go down. Uh, and that's the thing. What he's got to do, he's got to get in there, he's got to grip it, he's got to be humble, he's got to speak to his team, he's got to say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to lead you guys in this. I really want to uh, invest in you guys as a team and I really want you to help me do that. And I'm asking you just in this early stage, tell me where I'm going wrong. Tell me what you want to see. Tell me whether it's not what your expectations are. Okay, I'm going to do everything I can to lead us as a team because that's what I'm good at. But I want to make sure that we're together as a team, all right? So there's inclusive leadership. That's what I'd be doing. And that's where he is. Now, you might get it wrong. Now, if you want to read a good book out there, especially about flying, um, there's a book called QF32. It's by a guy called Richard Champion to Crispany, who was the captain of the airplane. It was a Qantas A380, quite a new aircraft, actually, uh, in the climb out of an airport called Changi in Singapore. At about 8,000 feet, I forget the story now, one of his engines explodes, as it does. Um, and it actually throws a lot of debris through the airplane. 
and it um, severs a lot of the electrical stuff in the A380. It's quite a complicated airplane, the A380. I mean, I could fly it. I just don't want to. I just don't want to fly it. But there's a point in the story. Richard um, was uh, Captain Champion de Crispiny, as respectful as I am, as I defer to his authority. Uh, he was an ex-military pilot. And of course, like most of us would do, we know that, you know, speed and height is life. And so he's like, we have to go back to Changi because we're not going to make it to Australia. That's where they're going on three engines um, with a whole world of shrapnel through the airplane. So he says, we're going to have to climb. So if we lose the rest of the engines, we can glide back to Changi. Apparently you can glide in A380s. Who knew that? You can't glide in tornadoes, by the way. It doesn't work too well. So he starts, advance, he checks with the guys in the cockpit. Right, guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to climb, okay? He starts putting his hand on the throttle to move it forward on the other three engines, and they're all, all of them. And there's there's a first officer who happens to be the most senior first officer in Qantas. There's um, two guys behind him who are like line captains or something. Well, not line captains, standards officers, I think it is. Those two guys happen to be the most like senior guys in the whole of Qantas at doing that as well. He's on a line check, which he fails, by the way. He's on a standards check. He fails it. Um which is quite amusing. Uh, so he puts his hand on the throttle to move it and everyone in the cockpit says, no. Now he's the captain of that airplane. He could have turned around and gone, ah, whatever, I'm the captain. I'm the captain. This is what I'm going to do. But he didn't. He stopped. And he said, all right, guys, explain this to me. Explain this reasoning. And they all said, well, hang on a second. We don't know the state of the other engines. We don't know whether this is a fuel contamination issue. You know, we don't know why the engine destroyed itself. We don't even really know what the actual emergency is at the moment because the ecams on the jet which are like your flight reference cards your emergency cards kept flipping up they just kept coming up and up and up whenever they sold one the next one come up they're like we don't know what's going on here leave the jet the hell alone remember i've spoken about that before i'm like what you do in an emergency react or respond yeah you, you chill out sit on your hands don't do anything at all and whatever you do especially if you hit a bird or something and it goes down the engine leave that throttle alone because you don't know what state is in at the moment it's running it's running yeah, it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Leave it alone. So he leave that throttle alone, and he did. They turned the jet around. It took them like 30 minutes or whatever. I don't know how that works out. Eventually, they dragged the jet back into uh, the airfield, and they, and they landed it. And there's a whole great story around that. And if you really want to read a great book, then QF32, Richard Champion of Crispiny, uh, is a great book to read about that, okay? About how you handle emergencies, and about humility and command as well. And that's all I'm saying to this guy here when he takes over this role. Humility and command, okay? Look at your experts in your team. Um, defer to their their abilities as well but how do we get belief in ourselves then when we don't have any belief in ourselves? well at the moment of course you could argue that this guy has a lot of other people believing in him in fact someone's actually said that you're so good we're just going to put you in that role i want to put you in the role and you're going to do really well in it they've actually said that to him and that's really cool so he's got that already but how do we get that belief well here's the thing here's the thing i've been thinking about recently and now you can read about young shadow and all that kind of stuff if you want, about the part of us that we is unconscious in us and we don't realize it, so we portray it on other people. And I don't want to get into depth about that, but if you want to get into psychology, go and read some young. It's fascinating, it really is. And, uh, you know, I left, the, I left the military, what, about a year ago now? Well, over six months ago, um, although really I was out a lot more before that, probably eight or nine months. And it hasn't been the greatest of times, to be honest with you. I've done some work for some people in contract world. But I realized that there's, um, uh, like he said, he kind of fell out of the military. He didn't demilitarize. Um, no one demilitarizes when you come out of the military. There's, the courses are pretty appalling for trying to unmilitarize you. Uh, and of course, in the same way that you know he was talking to people and expecting things to happen, uh, that's exactly how I've been. And I'm really now looking deep inside myself as to why that is and, and what I can do about that. And that's where this shadow comes in if you, if you want to get deep into it. It takes um, a lot of effort to do that. And people write to me and they say, 
Tim, you're not you're not too great. Hey, speak to me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm dealing with it. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to let you deal with that. I'm going to deal with it myself. Because uh, sometimes it can be quite dark, you know. That's one of those things, and we understand that. So he's also going through that period as well. People might call it a midlife crisis. They might call it whatever you want to call it. But it's at 40, you realize that you think you're halfway through your life and you're not. But there is a bit of a change that happens at 40 because you kind of graft really hard when you're 18 up until you know your mid-30s, your 40s, maybe even towards your mid-40s. You do work really hard and you don't realize you just... And some guys just work really hard until they're 65. So if you're a CEO or something and you want to work 70-hour weeks, I and mean, that's what some people are doing, 78-hour weeks, and that's why you're a CEO, because you're doing that. And eventually you get to 65, 70, and you've got a lot of money, and you've got the big house, and you've got the big car, and you haven't lived life. You don't have health anymore, and it's you know it's, it's sad, but that's that's the value of place in your existence, is, is you'd rather have had that financial remuneration as opposed to anything else, really, I suppose. Or spending quality time with your family, whatever it might be. Now, it tends to hit us when we're 40, because people talk about, um, you know, life begins at 40 and all that kind of rubbish. And uh, and that's why we think that we something should happen at 40. Now, also, when it comes to the military, a lot of people leave at 40. This guy didn't. I did. I left at 44, 43, I left that. Uh, a lot of people leave. I mean, there was a 38 point now, there was a 40 point. So 40 is that point you leave. And you do leave and you think, do I want to do that again? And normally the answer is hell no. A lot of people after a break will say they do, of course, because they've forgotten a lot of, you know, we tend to forget about the bad times. Um, we tend to be optimists as opposed to pessimists in a way. There's another way, of course, that we're, we're not. We tend to be more involved in negativity than positivity. Well, that, that matters more to us. It's um, oh, There's a name for it. It's a bias. I can't remember. Someone's going to drop it in right now. Um, the sunk uh, cost fallacy, I think it is, is a bias, which means we're more likely to stay at a gambling table if we've had losses than if we've had winnings because the losses mean more to us than the, the winnings do. Um, there's an order of magnitude to that and I, I can't fully explain it but it's the same thing with negativity so if someone writes negatively about a podcast like this one they will say Tim you spoke for more than 30 minutes I think I'm going to uh, and, it, and it, I'm really bored with it and I will that will eat me up for days um, whereas the rest of the people that are saying that they may have got something out of this podcast uh, it may be you know 30 or 40 people that write to me but that one guy that doesn't get much out of this that will be impactful and I, I realise that you know I've got a lot better that over time and this is one of the things I'd advise this guy about as well was that you're never going to please everyone and that's the truth so one thing I realize now about expectation is you've got to be your own person right so I could be sitting here in a shirt and tie in front of you right now with a jacket on that's not me I wear this kind of stuff I've got rabbit fur on this thing because I've been picking up my rabbits this morning and making sure that they were tidy so I've you know I've got two rabbits in the house this is who I am you know, this is it. Um, I'm not going to be much more than this ever. And I don't really want to be either. So, you know, I, I, I look at it. See, that isn't even an email. That's a virus definition for some reason. I can't even stop that happening. This is the thing. I don't even know how to use tech properly. He says, making sure the gimbal is centralized on the beard tracker. So what I would say to this guy is, sometimes you've got to realize you're not going to please everyone. And that's a good thing. Because when you sit on the fence... You're not on either side. It makes sense. You're not, you're, not, you're not standing for anything. You don't stand for anything at all. No one's going to want to listen to you if they don't stand for anything. No one's going to be interested in what you say. Uh, there's no value to your commentary because you're that guy at a party when someone says something to you like, hey, how do you feel about Brexit? You're like, well, yeah, you know, I kind of get what the Brexiteers are saying, but those are Mainers, they kind of got a point too. So what the hell's the point speaking to you is, you know, have an opinion about something for crying out loud. Tell me how you really feel. And, and that's what this guy is, um, is going to have to do. He's going to have to lead people. 
And that could be challenging because people are going to question your authority. I mean, by definition, as I said, he's promoting into incompetence. He's incompetent in the role that he's about to go into. That's why he's not in the role yet. And he's going to get in that role and it's going to take him some time to bed in. We all know this. It's, it's not an illusion. It's not something we're making up. Uh, so he's going to have to dig in. And uh, he's going to have to weather that initial storm. Because putting that boat to sea, you know, you've got some waves that are hitting you. You've got to get through those waves. And you will. You've got to keep your head down. You've got to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. Um, you know, I don't want to swear on here and stuff. And I might just beep it out. But, you know, fuck everyone else. They're not living your life. They don't know what you're going through. I've had some pretty dark times recently. I don't go shouting about it. I don't need people to intrude into that. It's just what happens. Thoughts happen. Thoughts run your feelings. And I realize those thoughts can be dark. I get it. Mid-40s, not a nice time for many people. All right? Because we're just trying to work out, you know, whether we can actually make some kind of tangible impact on the world. The answer might be no. And then I've got to go and work in a big business somewhere and uh, being a business development manager or something. And that's, that's maybe not something I really want to do. It might be something I want to do. If anyone wants to offer me a job doing that, it might be. But it might not be, and I might have to suck it up. And, and um, the, the fact is, I might actually not be able to change the world. In order to change the world, not many people are going to get to do that. And I think this is something that millennials kind of work out when they start protesting. And I remember seeing something, and I'm on a, I'm just on a bit of a, uh, a sort of diversion, but it was interesting where they had the, 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 the day about global warming on last Friday when lots of school kids decided not to go to school. And, and uh, they decided to go and collect in parks in a school uniform and talk about global warming. And as admirable as that is, they're hurting nobody but themselves because all of a sudden they decided to deprive themselves of education so that they can sort of educate other people in global warming. And I fully get that. But, you know, are they going to make a difference? Is anyone going to make a difference in your lifetime? It's very rare that an individual can make a difference, but we'd like to in a small way. Now, that small way can be by being a great parent, all right? That's never going to happen to me. That's fine. I haven't got kids. I've got rabbits instead. I'm going to be a great rabbit dad. But, you know, that can be your, and I know a lot of people out there that will talk about their children and will say, I just want to be a great dad. And that's fantastic. And I fully get that. And it's a very admirable thing to do. And I've, I can applaud that absolutely, 110%. Um, but if you really want to start a movement and change the world for the better, that's really hard. That's, that's probably never going to happen. You're probably never going to get the support. Um, Give it a go, but you might well be wasting a lot of your time. And this is the problem that millennials find, I think, is when they really want to change the world, they bounce off other people that kind of go, yeah, we've all tried to be there. And that's the problem you sort of deal with as you come through your 40s. You're like, do I just carry on doing this forever? Especially people that have been in jobs, you know, for a long period of time. I see it with some airline guys that have been there since their 20s. Uh, they're in a captain role now. I like I like the airline guys, you know, I I do. I think, I think they're good people, especially the guys that... In their spare time, they, they do something really constructive with it. I really like that. I wouldn't want to do it myself, but I, I like what they're doing. And um, I like the attitude they have as well. I do. So, you know, some of them get to early captain and they're like, do I really want to still be doing this until I'm 65? Some leave. Some leave. I mean, look at me. I left the military after 20 years. And I really enjoyed the military. I'm sort of swanning about now trying to figure out what to do. But, you know, that's one of those things. So the advice I'd give at this stage was that you've got to run with it. Because if you don't run with it, someone else will. And you don't want that person to be feeding their, their family better quality food than you. You'd be given an opportunity. Just seize that opportunity. Fuck everyone else. Seriously. Just run with it. Invest in your team. Right? Servant leadership. You're there with them. That's what a team is all about. All right? But you've got an opportunity. All right? And also, think about this. The Air Force, the Air Force they, were so, they were so into you. All right? They let you join the Air Force and they gave you a 26-ton 
warplane that cost like, 60 million at the time, whatever, and they said, go and lead some other people in this jet. It's almost audacious to, and I, I feel sorry for you in a way. I feel sorry for this guy in a way, because I, you know, I, hell, I go there with, with those low self-esteem moments and we all do. It's you know, quite emotional at times. I mean, shit, life is, life is hard, right? I think life, there's a lot of suffering in life, but if you think the opportunities that the Air Force gave you, um, I don't give those to anyone. And as you said, you, you're wanting to be, you want to have more responsibility and stuff. I would say load yourself up to your break. That's where your red line is. And then just come back a little bit from that red line. Just come back a little bit from it. All right. And then you're really stretching yourself. And we need to stretch ourselves because you're not going to get the chance to do this again. And I don't mean to do it again. You're never going to be 40 again. I'm never going to be 40 again. All right. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad about that in a way. I'm kind of enjoying these years, the hard, but I like that. I like that kind of suffering. You know, I like the brutality of it, I really do. So what I would say is get in there, um, dig deep with the job, uh, really kind of embrace the opportunity that you've been given. And this is rolling into 35 minutes now, so I'm gonna stop talking. Uh, invest in the team that you have with you. Tell them that, you know, you're apprehensive. You know, you are. Um, tell them about your past. I would. Sit them down, take them out for lunch or something, take them out for a meal in the evening. But, uh, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else is gonna do that for you. No one's going to do that for you. So you really have to look inside yourself and you know you got it because no one would have done that. You know, and here's, a, here's a something, no one would have done that if they didn't believe in you as well. But you do believe in yourself. You're just having, you know, I understand why. I get it. I get it. So here's the thing about even those people that don't believe in themselves, like truly don't believe in themselves. If you just keep on keeping on, that's a Joe Dirt saying, go and watch that film. Joe Dieté, don't dress it up, son. It's a good movie. Um, even if you don't believe in yourself, I'm not a big fan of faking it before you make it, but there is something to be said about that. Because if you keep picking yourself up and you keep putting one foot in front of the, the other one, you keep just moving on, you'll find that other people don't do that and they drop by the wayside and you can stop and you can pick them up if you want to and that's very admirable if you want to do that. But it's that guy that gets like hit again and gets up and gets hit again and gets up and gets hit again and gets up and eventually the bully stops hitting them because they're like, oh, there's no point hitting this guy anymore. No point doing that anymore because he just keeps getting up and it's embarrassing for me as a bully. That's the thing about that kid at school, isn't it? The kid at school that's getting bullied and actually just punches the bully and it's hard to do that and I get it, I'm not advising that. But the bully sort of goes on to someone else because he's like, oh, that guy's prickly. I don't want to hit that guy because I might get hit back. I'll go and pick on someone easier. We all know that one, right? We all know that one. So that's the thing. If you've got low self-confidence or whatever, then uh, I would suggest, you know, literally, um, there's, there's things you can do to boost your low self-confidence, by the way, and that's doing things that you don't want to do as well. You know, do things you don't want to do. And the more you do things you don't want to do, the easier it becomes. As I said, I do these night walks sometimes. I get the map and the compass. I head out, especially when it's raining. I hate that. I hate it. But it becomes easier, you know? And this is what I'm talking about. Guys that want to go running first thing in the morning and they want to start a fitness regime. We talked about this on 12 months um, last year. And I was saying... Yeah, the mind doesn't like these big changes. That's why New Year's resolutions don't stick. So I was talking about just put your clothes out on the floor and then just practice getting dressed in your running kit. Sounds ridiculous, but it works. Running kit's there in the morning, in, in the evening, sorry, laid out. You wake up in the morning, first couple of mornings, turn your alarm clock off. Next morning, you're like, get out of bed, put your running kit on. All right, do your shoelaces up, walk downstairs, touch the front door, walk back upstairs, get unchanged, get back into bed again. Next morning, step outside that front door in your running kit, get back into bed. Next morning, step outside that front door, Walk to the end of your driveway. Have a look around in the morning, you know. Just have a look at stuff. Listen to things. Listen to nature and all that kind of stuff, you know. 
Maybe walk to the post office down the road and back. It's about doing things that your body's not used to doing and eventually it becomes used to doing them. It's climatization. If you want to read a book by David Goggins, he's got a good book out at the moment. I can't remember the name of it. I'll try and put it in the notes. Um, very interesting about him going through Navy SEAL training where eventually they stopped giving him all the beast things and the punishments and stuff. They were like, you like this too much. You know, you like it. We're going to stop doing it to you. We're going to let everyone else do them all because you like this too much. And he fully embraced it as a challenge. Every day was a challenge to him. Still is. The guy's crazy. Guys, you can leave it there. I'm going to write back this guy because I like him and I'm going to write an email. Most of the time I can't write emails because I'm really busy. I do answer emails to take me 10 days. Right, this is running about 40 minutes, but hopefully it should be something that you listen to in the car. Don't sit there and invest time looking at my awesome beard if you don't have to. Um, it's probably not worth you doing that. Hopefully people are getting something out of this. A lot of people are writing to me right now about, shall I apply to the Air Force or the Navy or the Air Force has said this or the Army has said this. So I put multiple applications in. And if you just put applications in everywhere because if you're committed to being a pilot in the military, well, there's three military aims you could be in. All right, there's the, the Royal Air Force, the Army and the, and the Navy. Um, the Royal Marines being a subset of the Navy. Okay, so uh, you can obviously fly for Marines as well if you want to fly for the Marines. So big fan of the Marines. So uh, what I'm saying is apply to all of them. And then if you're sat in an interview and they say, have you got any other applications in? You can say, yeah, absolutely. Here I am sitting in front of a, uh, the Royal Air Force Officer Air Crew Selection Center. I've got one in from the Average Interview Board as well because I am committed to being a pilot in the military. And I really love the Air Force or I really love the Navy or I put some stuff in. It shows you're committed, all right? Don't, don't sit there and, and let the Army tell you that, well, they want to be a pilot. It's probably best to start off as a, an engineer or whatever. And when you reach Lance Corporal, you can then maybe apply for a commission you know we're not doing that guys we're, we've got too much faith in ourselves all right too much self-belief all right get yourself out on a run lift some weights all right just you know have faith in yourself really appreciate it i think we're running to about 40 minutes i haven't got a counter on this phone bought a phone without a counter oh it's down there in the comments then you might not like this whole moving around i need to know that i need to know all right um i need to know about the camera moving around not about how my beard is is uh is doing but i appreciate the comments anyway really appreciate it guys if you want me to talk to you about something um send me an email and i'll do one of these for you all right i really appreciate it okay tim davies flash performance